just want to add my thank you again, um, along with Pastor Stan, for all those that came out for the um, the celebration of life service that we had for Belinda. It was um, just a great time of honoring her, honoring the Lord, and honoring the family. Today, uh, we are going to pick up and continue in our... Um, walk through the book of James. We've uh, started doing that and I uh, just want to encourage you as you have time, just spend time in the book of James. If you remember, James was um, Jesus's half-brother um, and at the time during Jesus's uh, main ministry on the earth, he really wasn't necessarily, we don't see him as a, a real follower of the Lord until he met the Lord after resurrection. Then he knew everything that Jesus had been saying was true. And so we will continue in our study. It's called Building Genuine Faith That Works. You know, many times you have uh, saving faith, but then there's the need that we have faith in our everyday walking and all that we're doing. And so that's really something. You've been around plastic faith. You know, we call that religion, but a really genuine faith when God moves in our hearts. Last uh, time we got together, we went through the first half of the book of James, and it was really focused on dealing with the hard stuff of life. That was the focus of it. And so we, as I go toward the second half of chapter one, I decided that I can only get through two, the first two verses of that. So it's going to uh, take us a little while, I guess. But uh, we're going to be starting our message today called Disarming Prickly Communication. Let's pray. So Father God, I thank you so much that we can gather together as a church family, that we can gather together as believers in you, Lord Jesus, and to hear what your heart is on your church and its effect upon the communities in which we live. God, I just ask that as we delve into this area of communication that uh, seems to trip us up um, both personally and uh, even as churches reaching an unsaved world, God, I ask that you would give us your truths that would open our eyes to the things that you have for us. Help us as a church, O oh Holy Spirit, be able to walk in the love and the power and the light in Orlando that you have called us to walk in. Father, I pray that the way we communicate is so radically different than what the world is used to, that they check us out, therefore check you out, O oh God. So, Father, that is our heart. I ask that you would give marriages some tools, friendships some tools, businesses some tools. Father, that, but above all, that you would give us tools to expand your community in the way of how we interact and communicate with one another. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a, um, a lot of things that uh, uh, people would call the big ideas of life, the big things you have to work on in life. And uh, there, they would be in maybe the areas of, of um, business, in the areas of marriage, in the areas of friendship, in the areas of school, um, all kind of big areas that you go through. But one that you always hear about is communication. 
Um, because communication is one thing if you get it right, but it's a mess if you get it wrong. Your marriage doesn't excel. Um, a lot of things don't happen. I know I would be further along if I would have listened carefully to what the Lord had to say in the area of communication. And so I think as we um, uh, go through our discussions today and scriptures today, um, I just really ask that you kind of pay attention for what are the tools you have for me, Lord, as we go through this. So the, the two verses we're going to get through are James 9, uh, excuse me, 1, 19 and 20. So let me read those to you. My dear brothers and sisters, speaking to believers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know, um, when somebody speaks, you normally just try and listen. But if they say, ding, 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 special note, take special note, get Open your ears, open your eyes, let, take special note. He really wants us to realize that he's about to tell us something that if we can just see his point, if we can grab it, if we can catalog it, if we can embrace it, if we can utilize it, it's going to make a difference in our life. And so um, he's talking about three key areas of communication that uh, aren't really complex, but they aren't really easy. They're not complex, but they're not really easy. If we would, we probably would practice them more. So the first thing he asks us to do as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, so he's not just talking in generality. He's talking to a church that he wants to walk in power, love, and compassion. And so he says to them, be quick to listen. Now, every one of you have walked into this building and you walk into the foyer and there's this giant word that's on our foyer wall and it's called engage. And it's there and it means something and you, it, you would say, well, why did they choose that word? Because we all can figure out how to know something. We can parrot it back to one another. We can say what needs to be said. But the real success in life and with God happens when we engage and so he's asking for us to engage our listening be quick to listen be alert to listen and you know so this goes well beyond if you will just um, our education of learning something new he's asking us to be quick to listen if you're not quick to listen you'll miss it if you're not quick to listen to God, you'll miss what he's saying. If you're not quick to listen to your spouse, you'll miss what they're actually trying to get across. You heard words, but you didn't hear heart. You heard words, but you didn't hear meaning. And so he is really big on us engaging so that we have a life that is not depleted, but one that is enlarged by what he wanted to share with us. And the other reason, I guess, I just wanted to say uh, just a, a shout out to this word engage is if you don't engage, then you float along. 
You just float along, and like water that floats along, it gets dumped out at the lowest point. And so that can happen in a marriage, um, and your marriage can feel depleted. That can happen with how you feel in your relationship with God, that you're floating along. And of course, you know if you float along, all you need is a little push, and you just float this way, or you float that way. And the only way you can beat the system is to actually engage. And so I'm learning what it means to be an engaged listener, to be a quick listener. Listening is so important. It's so key. The Bible is calling us to be not just an expert listener, but I would say a caring listener. We're, we're, we're to care. And we're to be a all-in listener. When someone is talking, have you ever met the people that when they're talking to you, um, or rather when you're talking to them, they seem to be just engaged in your listening, in listening. They're like all in. And so that's what God has called us to be, not just with each other, but with him. Think about that. I mean, if we're not all in with him, you're going to miss it. I cannot tell you how many times God was probably talking to Pat and Pat was thinking about what he wanted to say next to God, you know, or I was thinking about what I had to do next. And if I'm an all-in engaged listener to God, then I, I get it. I, I was going to bring um, a little radio from the house from years gone by that you actually tuned in. You know, it wasn't a digital one where you just hit the digit number and it goes to it. Um, for those of you too young, you actually had to turn a little switch like this. And you kind of, and then you heard the person talk. I mean, it's, you tuned in. And, and I find that I need to tune in to God. I find I need to tune in to my wife. Uh, otherwise, I just hear words. And communication happens in a lot of ways. It's not just with my ears that I hear what you say, but I observe with my eyes, are you even paying attention? Do you, are, are, are you into what I'm saying? Are you thinking about what you're going to say next? We do this with God and we do this with each other. But what James is trying to say is, in the first half of James, I'm going to teach you how to walk through trials and temptations. And then the very next thing up front that he talks about is how to communicate with one another. Because if we can get this right with him and with each other, we will be radically different than the world. We, it will look different than the world. So people use their voice to communicate or their lack of speaking. Notice that. People use what they do to communicate. People use what they don't do to communicate. They use their attendance to indicate what they're thinking or communicating or their lack of attendance. And so, and I'm not just talking about attendance in church. Don't think I'm thinking that small. I'm talking about your attendance to meeting with God. He, he notices when you value enough to get with him. When you value not, to not get with them. 
A spouse understands when you value enough to make time for them in your busy day. And I know it's busy. We all understand busy. But we communicate in lots of different ways. And so God has called us to really communicate in a way that is radically different than the world. The best way to know what others are meaning when they talk is to know what God is saying. All right. So it's kind of like a, a filter I, or hmm, of some type. You know, it's like my glasses. They, um, they filter my sight so I actually can see you. Oh, this is pretty good. I can't tell if you're paying attention or not. This is really, <laughs> I might do this more often. Uh, but at any rate, I, if I put these filters on right here, I actually can see. And, and the same thing happens, I guess, if I needed hearing aids, which maybe my wife says I do, I don't know. But at any rate, uh, is, is you then are able to have a filter by which you can hear or see more clearly. And so I've learned in order to listen, which is different from hearing, I've learned in order to listen, I need to have the Word of God inside of me. If I'm going to get it right. God wants to give us discernment. God wants us to hear what's being said and what's not being said. He wants us to really have clarity between he and me and between each other. And so he does that by giving us his word and his Holy Spirit. So that when we're listening, when we're quick to listen, when we're tuned in, when we're alert to somebody about to speak then we get it because we filtered it through the word that he has already deposited in our hearts. So he really wants us to be good communicators. It starts with this thing called listening, and, um, and listening is absolutely key. And, I, and it, this quick part, this alert part, is very important. You know, if I'm, if I'm sitting here or standing here, and I feel like George has something to say right back here. Uh, you know, I might be alert and wait. Listen for George to say what he wants to say. And so the, the Lord does that with us. If I will be alert and expectant, it's amazing how God wants to talk to me and to you. If you will be alert and expectant when you're friend is sharing with you it's amazing what you're going to hear and what you're going to hear behind what they're actually saying proverbs 4 20 and 23 says my son pay attention to what i say turn your ears to my words which implies that it's easy for me not to be i have to turn my ears to his word do not let them out of your sight, which means they can easily escape. They can drift off in my mind. I've read them. I got it. I keep going. I forget. They drift off. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart. Okay, if they get in your heart, they'll stick, apparently. For they are life to those who find them and health to your whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. That's that filter, that heart. That's the way in which we can listen to each other and listen to God. Because if we will have a heart that has deposits of God's word in it, they're captured in it. It's not just in my mind and my peripheral thinking. 
And when I'm not thinking about it, it's kind of cataloged away somewhere, but it's in the center point of my life, my heart, then I actually can hear you, not just let things go in one ear and out the other. Okay, then he tells us he wants us to be slow to speak. That's really hard for me. <laughs> All the people laughing are those that have been around me a long time. You know, as my wife affectionately says, Pat can say in 50 words what others can say in five. So apparently it's not just the slowness, it's also the volume. But, uh, or, or the quantity, excuse me. When you listen to others before... Um, you draw your own conclusions, make sure you're listening to the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, have you, fi have you been around people and they finish your sentence? And so because they finished your sentence, they, in their mind, they know what you're going to say, and because they know what they're going to say, they might as well think about what they're going to say, and then they go. Therefore, they never listen to you completely. And I resemble that remark, too, from time to time. So there's really a, a, a desire, I think, that um, James is trying to say is you've got to be alert to listen, but Pat, you need to be slow to speak. You need to hang in there a second. You need to process that a second. Process it through what I've already deposited in your heart and process it just a little bit. You need to be listening through my ears, through the strainers of what I have to say. And I have a great story that I'm going to be sharing with you in just a few minutes out of 1 Samuel 25. But before I do, I'm on this slow-to-speak concept here. And we're going to run through just a few Proverbs. You know, James is many times said to be the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, and so... I'm going to read you some Proverbs from the Old Testament on this slow to speak thing. Proverbs 6.2 says, You have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So we have to be aware that once we put it out there, ba-boom, we're kind of, we, we can't get it back, and we've kind of committed ourselves, and we've probably got to live with what we just put out there. So, be a little slower before you just pop it out there. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so if we're reckless, what does reckless mean? Reckless means without thought and usually quick. So quickly, without thought, blah. And I'm not really thinking about the impact. I'm not really thinking that my words are swords. They cut. Um, and so, therefore, I don't, um, I just kind of throw them out there and I think, I'll, well, I'll just, I'll rephrase it later. Well, guess what? The sword is already cut. I mean, once you've cut something, you've cut it. And so our words go out there and they cut. Now, I'm talking on the negative end right now, but let me tell you, uh, this is important on the positive end too. Um, when I take the word of God and I speak it out there strong for him, I am cutting into the spirit world. I am cutting into there. I am declaring the truth of the God. What Angela asked us to do up here is, is to praise him in the middle of the storm. 
Don't wait till the storm gets over. Praise him in the middle of the storm. Walk in faith. And so he has asked us to be aware that our words are like swords. Proverbs 13, 3 reinforces it says, those who guard their lips, self-control, fruit of the spirit, those who guard their lips preserve their lives. But those who speak rashly come to ruin. I know people that have done that. You know people have done that. We've done that. That's got to stop. We got to not just rashly put things out there. We can't do that to each other's friends. We can't do that as marriage partners. We can't do that in any way. If we do it, if we're rash, there's going to be harm that is going to come. And finally, my all-time favorite that I love, I use it a lot. I try and live it a lot. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In your relationships with one another, in your relationships, if you start just having a gentle spirit, and a gentle answer before you let yourself get all riled up, it's amazing how that whole conversation will go different. That is not the way the world does it. If we can display the way that God wants us to do this, found in his word, we will look as a community of people radically different. One of the things Pastor Stan told me about yesterday is a lot of the people that were here that weren't believers at our Celebration of Life service, they kind of saw something different about you. The way you served one another, the way you cared for one another and cried with one another and took care of people that you didn't know. These are not normal things that people do. You take care of the people that, you're fun, that you enjoy with, to be around, your clique. And that's not what they experienced. You, you, you showed something different, and therefore we're showing them what the kingdom of light looks like. So, you know, so this slow to speak is a really good thing. The slow to anger, let's move to that one a little bit. You see the progression, by the way, that James is taking us on, this little journey he's taking us. If you are quick to listen, plus slow to speak, there's a good chance you can be slow to anger. Um, so there, there, there's a progression he's trying to take us on and, and helping us learn how to, um, to walk together. Uh, we're going to read a story in 1 Samuel 25 pretty soon that's going to talk about if you um, let, well, it's about David. And it's about he, he kind of let his ego um, get hurt. He took offense to how somebody communicated to, with him. And we're going to read about that, or I'm going to actually, well, let me just tell it to you. Okay. So in, for, in, 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 in 1 Samuel 25, um, David was still being pursued by King Saul. And, uh, but God was in the middle of changing that around, and King David was, or David was going to become king. And so about 600 guys had started coming around him, and, and so they were walking in this one region, and, and there was a, uh, um, uh, a lot of sheep there from a really rich um, man that uh, um, had all of them, Nabal. 
N-A-B-A-L, Nabal. And so, at any rate, he was a very rich and foolish, the scripture says, man. And uh, so he had all these sheep and all these cattle and all this goats. And, and so while they were kind of in the same region, David and his men kind of just made sure everything stayed cool. Everything was good. They didn't take anything. They protected them. All was good. And uh, then it came to the point that it was coming to a feast time and they were hungry. And so David sent 10 of his, his guys uh, go to go talk to Nabal and to say, um, hey, can we have some food and clothing? Um, it's feast time. We know that this is shearing time when you're shearing the sheep. Can we have something? Um, and so he, he and, and, and if you want to know how we've been treating your guys, you can just ask your, your own people. And so uh, the 10 guys go and they meet with Nabal and he and um, share this with him. Well, Nabal just, I mean, he just disrespects uh, David and just uh, refuses to do that and uh, says all these unkind things and um and they're kind of taken back, but it's like, okay. So they go back to David, and they said, uh, David, here's what Nabal said. He said, no, and blah, blah, blah about you. And, uh, well, David was livid. David got really ticked off. I mean, he just, he, he his emotions, his ego got way smacked around. But realize it wasn't that, David was being threatened with harm or death or anything like that, but his ego got smacked. He, it just wasn't treated with honor and respect that David showed to all his guys. And so David said, you know what? Every man that is yours is going to be dead by the end of the day. I'm going to tell I'm, I'm, this is it. I am over it. So he just... He makes, a, he makes a rash decision, and he's on his way to just obliterate every male that has anything to do with this very rich, wealthy, foolish guy. And um, so just as, as uh, foolish as Nabal was, his wife is Abigail, and she was that much um, wise. She was an incredibly wise and discerning woman. She realized, oh, no, um, we're in serious trouble. And so she uh, tells her people, make some food real quick, all you can. And, and she sends them and she jumps on her donkey or whatever she does and she goes out. And so David and his men, he took about 400 of his 600 coming in to kill everybody. And, um, and they meet Abigail, the wife, and Abigail gets down and she sits down low and and she humbles herself and she says, "Look, just blame me. I'm, uh, I, I, we that was foolish that was happened that my husband did, but it just just blame me and and please have mercy on us and and here's all this food. Please take all this um, and 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 just show us mercy. Sometimes in life we just need mercy." Because we goofed up. And so just show us mercy. Well, David kind of, he listens to reason. 
he, he, he realizes that. In fact, she, she even adds to it and she says, by the way, um, you don't want to take vengeance in your own hand on this any rate and sin before your God. So please just don't do this. And so David listens to reason. And he says, okay. And he turns away and he goes back. And he's at peace. And she's at peace. And so David's bruised ego, this offense that he took to this communication that he got back, um, left him in a very awkward place. And so David listened to reason. Abigail goes home only to find Nabal drunk um, because he was having this real big party fit for a king and everybody was drinking and and they, they were drunk, and she says, I'm not going to talk to you like that. So she waits to the next morning. And the next morning, she tells him what he, she did. Because she, she didn't tell him what she did. She just left with all this food. And she said, um, Nabal, I met with David to kind of appease him. And uh, he is not going to come. He was going to come and kill everybody. and um, But I went and I did this. And... Uh, I didn't tell you. And Nabal was like, he was upset. But what scripture says is his heart became like stone and he did not move. I guess that's what they call like a heart attack. And then 10 days later, he died. Um, I'm not focusing so much on the judgment of God in this situation as I am on trying to say that a very wise wife did what she needed to do to save a whole community of people. And um, by the same token, David, who acted rashly, shouldn't have done that. Um, shouldn't have gotten his ego so bent out of shape. It wasn't like the guy was going to kill him or his guys. But he, his ego got all bent out of shape, and that became a problem. And so out of this, I want to give you three principles of this little story I read to you. Oh, I didn't read. I told you. You can read it in 1 Samuel 25. But um, three principles on this story of David's anger. The first thing is a wounded ego or taking an offense is a dangerous motivator. Um. When do, when do we have a wounded ego? When do we have, when do we take offense? Usually we had an expectation that wasn't met. David's uncontrolled anger was more than just, um, uh, it came from his ego being damaged in his mind. He, when we have situations like that, when people talk bad of us, when they poke at our reputation, we have a real tendency to get angry because our expectations aren't met. And we got slapped, if you will. And um, we can tend to lose control of our emotions. First, um, excuse me, James 1.19, we just read about this. This is our main verse. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we have to, we have to be that or we're about or we're going to make some kind of rash decision 
that we shouldn't be. In fact, that's our principle number two. Decisions made in anger can be disastrous. Um, I really didn't need to say that because you all have experienced that, haven't you? We've all made decisions when we were angry and didn't turn out too well. When people do things that bruise your ego, that smack at your reputation, who say things that are unjust towards you, who offend you, um, that is not the time to make a decision. Not in the middle of the emotions of it. You know, I, I'm a big believer, I think I've shared this before, in what I call um, uh, predetermined decision making. What that means is, when something happens, I've already made my decision, here's my response. Because in the middle of the, the event is not the time to make a decision, I'm probably going to make a bad decision. So everything I can, in, in my business background, in family decisions, if, if this happened, then here's going to be my decision. If this happened, then here. And that way, I'm in the, the emotion of it all, it doesn't rattle me. And so um, what happened with David is he got smacked and he, he just made a rash decision. I'm going to kill every one of those males. I'm going to show them not to disrespect me. And respect is a big thing nowadays. You hear that. People get so offended if you disrespect them. And I'm sorry that you got disrespected by a spouse, by a coworker, by a boss. But don't quit your job. You know, feed your family. Look for another job maybe, but if you can't live in that environment, but don't make a decision out of rashness because somebody smacked you around your ego a little bit. Uh, so David about made a, not just a little decision, but a bad decision that would have left him in a sin place with God. And I've been left in a sin place with God because of my stupidity or rash decisions in the past. I don't want to continue in that. I want to learn from this. And so David says that we need to, when we're in the middle of a situation, not make a mistake while we're in the middle of anger. Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, these are a bunch of things, and I don't want to spend too much time on them, but let me just say this. So first of all, he says, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Does that mean there can be a good anger? Actually, yes. I mean, there was a righteous anger that Jesus had, if you remember, in the temple, and he turned over the money changers tables and said what are you doing bringing this into the house of God he is a righteous anger for for what they were doing the righteous anger but most of the time we are dealing with unrighteous anger we are dealing with things that are just um, bothersome to us and we get angry and so he said so if you're going to be angry at least don't sin how do you do that? Well, you exercise a little self-control. You don't make a decision in the middle of the anger. And you weigh it by what God's already deposited in your heart. 
and his word and his Holy Spirit in your heart. And then he gives you a timetable. You want a timetable? When you're angry, don't go to bed without dealing with it. Uh, it's probably one of the best marriage advice I can give to any of the people that are married here. Don't go to bed mad. Just deal with it. Yeah, but I'm still, just deal with it. Yeah, but she said, just deal with it. Get it out. Talk it out. Try it. Look, I got to get up at five in the morning. I understand. Maybe next time you won't get so mad about that, huh? But go ahead and deal with it. So, uh, so at any rate, uh, there's something about not carrying things on. Now, if you truly have that five in the morning thing and you just can't do it, here's what I've learned with Sheila. She'll say, if you don't want to deal with it, tell me when you are and keep your word. Make an appointment. Deal with it. So anyway, in the general, though, I think Scripture's better than even Sheila's great idea. But, you know, so let's um, deal with it before the sun goes down. And then this crazy thing that he says, are you saying that our anger gives the devil a foothold? No, I'm not. Scripture is. Scripture's saying that if we persist in anger, if we let that attitude that may bring some actions out of it, unfortunately, if we let it stay in our heart, then we're going to invite Satan, here, come here. Let me help you up into my life, Satan. Here's a, come on, take, put your foot right here, Satan. There you go. Is that, is that better to get up on the stage of my life, Satan? I mean, I got to think in black and white terms. It helps me. High contrast. That's basically what we're doing. We are giving the devil a foothold in our life if we choose to not deal with our anger. This is a big deal. I mean, I have a hard enough time with my life, much less inviting Satan in. And so, I'm do Scripture says I invite Satan, and I make it as easy as I can for him. Foothold. Help you up here. I give you a foothold. And a foothold also means, um, if it was more in a military terminology... When the enemy of your life can have a foothold into an area of your life, then that means they're pretty good getting up to that point, and they just keep on going. And so you're, it may be a foothold in one area, but it'll, it'll mushroom into other areas. And so we can't afford that. This, this anger thing is a big deal. It's not a little fight. We, we, we lay, that's part of the deception of the enemy of life. He labels these things little fights. It's a little, it's a little deal. It'll, go, it'll blow over. No, don't let it blow over. Deal with it. Make something happen. Let's don't be people of pa passivity. When, when we're pa I, that was a big problem in my life, being passive. No, be responsible to the Lord. Be responsible to the Lord. If he reveals something, do something about it, Pat. And so when we're passive, nothing good happens. Passive is different than um, being peaceful. It's different than showing grace to somebody that offended you. That's, that's not passive. Passive is, I don't deal with it. I don't deal with the things that need to be dealt with. And so we don't want that to happen. 
So uh, a quick temper is a mark of actually immaturity, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 2, and 3. When it says, when you're choosing elders and deacons, let it be a person who is not quick-tempered, uh, who does not have self-control. So actually the leaders of your church, the community of believers, they can't be that way. They can't be given. Doesn't mean they don't lose it sometime, but if they do, do what Scripture says, repent. Just, I'm sorry, I blew it. Will you forgive me? I shouldn't have done that. Spoke to you in that tone of voice. That, that was just wrong. Now let's go back and revisit the situation and make it right. There is a way to deal with things. Okay, principle number three. It's God's prerogative to avenge or not. So David didn't have the right to go and take vengeance over this person that did wrong. He didn't have that right. It's God's prerogative if he wants to do something about it or not. So, you know, you don't have to smack everything that rises up. Some of it you can say, God, I'm going to release that. I'm going to let you deal with that because David's pride was hurt he decided to retaliate when your pride gets hurt do you retaliate you don't have to answer that you know I understand that desire to because we all know the principle of life hurt people hurt people and and so I know when we're hurt, we feel like retaliating. And, and that's not what this, what James is trying to put out for a church to do. This church is supposed to be, your communication is going to look so radically different. People are going to say, what? The husband and wife dealt with each other? Two students dealt with each other different than how all the other students do? Two friends did something different? A business associate did something different with that vendor? No, you just tell the vendor what to do. That's, that's different how they're doing it. They start seeing how we communicate as different. And so it's God's prerogative to avenge or not. A, a wonderful word that I've come to use and, and look at in my life is what triggers you, Pat? What triggers you to get angry? You know, is there something that triggers you? Is there something that triggers you that uh, you just need to deal with it? Take it before God? Is it something that triggers me that Sheila may do? And maybe I can even tell her, hey, honey, be aware. When you say it like this, it just makes it more difficult for me not to be angry. Uh, I don't want to be angry. Can you help me by not using those words? They just, mm, they just kind of hurt the way you say that. Like, well, honey, for the seventh time, okay, that kind of triggers me, you know? So, so uh, maybe true, maybe she's even giving me grace, maybe it's the tenth time. But at any rate, the point is, whatever, just sharing with one another how to deal with one another. So, so be aware of what triggers you. What triggered David here is that somebody smacked his ego. David must be very thankful that God sent Nabal's wife, Abigail, with some reason to kind of say, um, 
here, this is to appease your actual needs. Please take my forgiveness and show us mercy. And this is going to keep you from having a sin against your God. Wow. What wisdom. What kindness. So let's learn to let God bring any judgment, if God wants to bring judgment at all. So here's a couple of quick questions from a little story I just told you out of 1 Samuel 25. Do you have an easily bruised ego, or do you get easily offended? If the answer is yes, answer it rightly, you know. I probably do. Okay, then what am I going to do about that? Question two. Do you make significant decisions or do you act without thinking when you're angry? Stop. <laughs> Stop. You know, even if you have to just be mad and you're sitting there and you're shaking your head and you're just saying, you know what? We can't talk about this anymore right now. Let's, can we come back in an hour? Can we start this after dinner? Can we, even if you ask for that. And then whoever the other person is, take that as your official signal to just say yes. And then make that happen. But don't get, make a big decision when you're angry. And I guess the, the, this is not really said in this way in our story, but it makes me want to say do you have a trusted wise friend that you can go and bounce ideas off of just to see what your response should be? I'm not talking about like open up all the garbage of your family's life. But I'm saying do you have anybody you can go to because right now you are just seeing red. You're mad. Do you have somebody like uh, Abigail? This Abigail lady, she just brought reason. She just brought clarity a different focus a different idea of how to think through things so this week this is kind of like the setup ground for where we're really going to go next week which is on hearing and doing the word of God um, they really are supposed to be an equal sign between the two and so we're going to be talking about that but at the beginning point James wanted us to know, here's how you're going to deal with trials and tribulations. There's going to be a big deal for the church as it grows to expand the kingdom. And oh, by the way, how you communicate with each other in prickly situations, um, it's got to look radically different than how the world does. And if you do it, there's huge blessing that's going to come. So I would say this. Is there an all-in engagement and focused listening in your life? If not, let's do it. An all-in, I'm engaged in listening. If you're married, engaged with that other person, what they're saying. You're not listening half-heartedly because you're, ready. you're actually five minutes late to go and do this. You're listening. You're, you're, you're not um, uh, half-heartedly listening to a teacher. You're actually trying to take it in there's time enough to think about other things you're not um you're not listening to that employee or let's say that coworker who's actually miffed at something 
but you really are on a tight deadline and you need to do something. I'm not saying be irresponsible in your workplace. I am saying that person's, I think they're pouring their heart out right now. And let me pay attention to the level I can and then let me set a time that I can come back and finish talking with them. Are you listening? Are you listening with the ears of God? Are you watching with the eyes of God? They're sitting like that. Your, your, your partner is sitting there like that as you're talking to them, and they're not, they're, they're not giving you any signs that they're buying into what you're saying. Okay. That doesn't mean you just spout out what you want to say. Blah. And they got to deal with it now. That, that's missing the mark. That's what the world does, but that's not what we do as Christians. So James calls believers to be slow to speak when they're engaged in communication. Why? Because not everything we have at the top of our mind needs to come out our mouth. It, it, it really doesn't. It's, it's, it's that fruit of the Spirit called self-discipline. There is a blessing that comes from just saying, hang on, mouth. <laughs> hang on. One of the beautiful things um, um, that my wonderful wife will tell me, don't you love how I use you in illustrations? Um, she'll, she'll tell me, you know, think the best of me. I, I, I mean you no harm. I'm, I'm married to you. I mean you no harm. I'm just telling you this. Okay, well, maybe I didn't get it or I thought my ego was being bruised or whatever. But the issue is, I mean you no harm and think the best of me. So when I'm listening, listen with ears that she's trying to get something across me. Now, maybe she said it in a way that was hard for me to get it, but she's not filled with malice. And in case, because I've occasionally used uh, marriage message, marriage comments in this room right now, um, please do not mistake this message as being about marriage. It includes marriage, but it's not limited to that. It's something bigger. It's what Jesus wants us to know as a New Testament church, Freedom Fellowship Church, I want you to have this model in how you communicate with one another and with an outside world because it's going to mess with them in a good way. It's going to mess with them when they see how you treat one another. It's going to mess with them when they see how you treat me in business. It'll mess with them. And so he wants his church to always be on display representing him and so we really that's our heart to do that so God is calling freedom to be unique on how we communicate he wants us to communicate in a different fashion because of Christ so remember one of the keys Jesus wants us to do is to show the world how to love one another right I mean that that's one of his big deals and the Probably one of the foremost things of love is communication. And so he wants us to be quick to listen in a caring fashion. I care what you have to say, so I am giving you my attention. 
I care what you have to say. I'm giving you my attention. I want to be slow to speak with the Christ-led thinking. I am slow because I want to process Christ into my answer. And then to be slow to anger. We are the church of the, redeem, of, of the living God. We are the church redeemed by Jesus Christ. Our marriages should be different by how we talk and listen and argue with one another. It lo- should look different. Our friendships should look different. Our business dealings should look different. Listen through the filter of the word. We read that in Proverbs. Listen through the filter of the word. Speak through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And choose to be slow to react in prickly situations. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your call on Freedom Fellowship to be that different, unique church that speaks to one another differently in such a way that people take notice and say they must be Christ followers. God, I pray for the marriages here that we will learn to communicate. I pray for the friendships here that we communicate different than other people do. I pray, Father, for the business dealings of anybody in here that's in business or education or wherever they are, Lord, that they communicate in a way that is pleasing to you, that we listen because we care, that we listen because of the word that you've already deposited in our heart. That we're slow to speak because we want to represent you well. Even with our children. Even with our friends. Even with our grandchildren. We want to represent you well. And God, when things seem prickly, I ask, oh God, that you would help us be people who are disciplined and self-controlled that we are slow to anger. We become angry slowly. God, help us. Be those people that are so unusual that people want to be around us because of you. Father, let us not do things like everyone else. And Lord, I just pray that we um, take up the call that Angela asked us to do, and that is to invite people to Easter. God, we have people we work with or school with, and they, they just wouldn't darken a door of a church, but they come out of religious whatever to hear us Easter message. Lord, your resurrection is the message they need in their life. And so, God, I just ask that you would motivate us, that you would move us, O Holy Spirit, rise up in us, that we would care to invite that people might become connected to you. God, whether the connection is a first-time birth into your kingdom or whether it's a connection because they are the, uh, these people were around or living unconnected, disconnected lives with no influence that is your influence. God, I just ask that you would move on our hearts, God, that we would get out of our comfort zone and we would care to connect. 
So, Lord, we love you. And we want to be all in in listening, all in in speaking slowly, all in on controlling anger that your name might be magnified. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Freedom Fellowship, we've had uh, an unusual month. And, um, but God is birthing something new. It's springtime. There, 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 I mean, I, I have, this morning I saw, I, I have pecan trees. Who has pecan trees in Central Florida? At any rate, I got three pecan trees. They dropped their leaves. And this morning, these three giant trees, two buds came out. Springtime's coming. Some of you need a new springtime to come. Some of you have been through a rough winter. Some of you are in winter right now. And you need a springtime. This is springtime. God's going and is in the middle of doing things right now. And so I'm excited about it. I, I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit excitement inside you to reach out and connect to somebody soon. If we can uh, pray with you, we'll be glad to. Um, Angela will be down front. Um, Dan, if you could also, we'll be glad to pray for you about any of your needs. Have an amazing week. God bless you, and thank you for being the church. God bless you.